Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. You've come at a time when we're ending a sermon series. You say, why is that a good time? Because today's, today's passage uh, is such a helpful passage. It's actually probably out of the messages that we've been in, today's I think could be one of the most impactful uh, because we're reaching the end of a story, the end of a story. We've been in a study, studying out a personal God out of the book of 1 Samuel. And if you've been with us on the study, we've already learned a lot. We, we learned about the faith of a mother, Hannah. Uh, remember Hannah, very first chapter of 1 Samuel, she prayed for that child and just trusted God. God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you to serve you. And God blessed and gave, uh, gave her a son. His name was Samuel. And we watched as Samuel grew up and became a prophet for the people of Israel. And God would use him to really be the last judge for the people of Israel and impact their lives and call Call them back to worship the one true God. We saw as Samuel would uh, be serving amongst a family, uh, the family of Eli. And we watched the poor fathering of Eli with his children, his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, and how God had to rebuke them and say, hey, Hophni and Phinehas, they have turned their backs against me, and so I'm going to use Samuel instead of using them. And, And Eli came to grips with that and realized he had made some mistakes with his family. And so Samuel then came on the scene, served God, and God would use him to anoint Saul. Saul would be that very first king of Israel. And if you've been with us in our our series, we found that Saul, for a a period of time, he was a good leader, wasn't he? Uh, If you were with us, Saul was doing well. He was humble before God, and God was using him and blessing him and helping him. But then we watched as pride crept into Saul's life. And Saul began to focus not on others, but upon himself. He was focused on honoring himself instead of helping and serving God's people. And he began this uh, downward cycle of just self-feeding and and self-worth and uh, uh, helping himself and growing himself and investing in himself and putting much emphasis upon his own heart. And, And that pride caused Saul to become one of the tragic characters in the word of God. God moved on from Saul and he moved to a man named David. What a man. What a man, this young King David. Of course, we saw him as a young shepherd boy being anointed king and and raising up in the ranks and being promoted quickly. And yet we discovered that because of Saul's pride and jealousy and rage, David had to go on the run for years Over a decade, David running for his life. And while David wasn't perfect, the last few weeks we saw David, he made some poor choices. He got himself on the side of the enemies of God. He turned and and joined the Philistines. And what a tragic story that was. But through a series of events, God brought David's heart back around. You know, David, he always seemed to find his way back to the Lord, didn't he? That's why David is referred to as a man after God's own heart, because he was a man who continually sought after God's heart. God, what is your direction in this? God, what do you want? And we saw that in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Well, David's heart turning to the Lord, that wasn't the case for Saul. 
Saul didn't continually turn to the Lord. And last week, we watched as Saul, I, I phrased it this way, he slumped to new lows. Remember, if you were here last week, if you weren't, I'll just tell you real quick. Saul, he, he's running from God, and then he just turns to God like God's a genie. And he doesn't turn to God in repentance. No, he turns to God for answers. Well, why would Saul do that? Because Saul was facing one of the hardest battles he would come up against. He was facing the Philistines. So as you look at the, at the story in 1 Samuel, we find 1 Samuel 27 through 31, all of these chapters take place in just a matter of a few days. Out of the battle is just a matter of a few days, really 28 to 31, excuse me. On one side of the battle is the Philistines. David's maybe fighting against Israel with the Philistines. And on the other side of the battle is Saul with Israel. Well, what does Saul do? Instead of turning to God and saying, God, I repent, I need your help. He says, God, what's my future? And we found out last week in 1 Samuel chapter 30, that, or 1 Samuel 29, that God didn't answer him. God didn't help him because he was unrepentant, because he was rebellious, because he didn't realize Isaiah chapter 59. Remember what Isaiah said? He said this to the people, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear. That was Saul's problem. His pride, his sin caused him to stoop to this new low. What was this new low? Well, he wasn't getting a hold of God, so he turned to the devil. He turned to demons. He said, find me, a, find me a, someone involved in witchcraft and sorcery. Find somebody with a familiar spirit that they can minister to me. And the title of the message last week was Don't Go There. Because we found Saul at such a low place in life that he would literally turn his back on the very God who had a plan for him. We're going to dig a little more into that today because as we come to 1 Samuel chapter number 31, we come to the end of a book but we also come to the end of someone's story. 1 Samuel 31 records for us the end of Saul's story. It records for us how Saul ended his life, died by suicide. What a sad place to be. We're gonna to discover today that this was not God's plan for him. And Saul missed out on what could have been a good ending to a story. Saul missed out on what God had for him, and we're going to see it together. I invite you, if you would, to stand with me. 1 Samuel chapter 31, beginning in verse at the end of Saul's story. 1 Samuel 31, beginning in verse number 1. 1 Samuel 31, verse number 1, it says this. Now the Philistines, they fought against Israel. This is that battle I'm speaking of. The men of Israel, they fled from before the Philistines and they fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard, fast, quickly upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul and the archers, they hit him. And he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor bearer, draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. And his armor bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore, Saul, he took a sword and fell upon it. 
And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men, uh, and all his men that same day together. What a sad turn of events. Here you have the people of God, Saul and his men, uh, these valiant men. I mean, the Bible tells us there was thousands of men that were following Saul. We know of 3,000 that were stood fast with him, but then tens of thousands that would fight with him. And on this day, Saul dies by his own sword. His sons die by the swords of the Philistines, and his men die by the, by the uh, pursuit of the Philistines. And his life comes to a close. What a sad story. The end of one story. This morning I want to talk to you about the end of a story. And I want to look and use Saul's ending and parallel it with your ending. What's the end of your story going to read? Talk more about that in just a minute. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Why don't you take just a minute and would you ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning? You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak to me today. Dear God, please speak to me. And then make a commitment. God, as you speak to me, I'm listening to you and I'll respond to you today. Dear Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you use it in our lives. God, I pray that this morning that you would help us. I pray that you'd help us to hear from you. I pray that you'd help us to be challenged by you. Lord, I believe that the passage before us holds some very important truths and challenges for our lives. And so God, I pray that you would Use this to speak into our hearts today. We love you. We thank you for your love. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Have you ever watched a, a movie or maybe read a book? And, and after you watched that movie, watched the ending, or you read that book, uh, you thought, well, that did not end the way I would like it to. Uh, I know I've watched, and and you have too. We've all been there. We watch a movie, we read a book, and we get to the end, and we think, wow, what a waste of time. I remember uh, watching a particular movie a few years ago, and we have a thing called VidAngel where it filters movies and all of that, and and it's a a good thing, but sometimes you miss a lot of the movie because it's filtering a lot of the junk out. That's fine. Uh, But I remember we got to the end of a movie, and, and Hannah and I both are just kind of sitting there. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and it was literally a waste of time. This is probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. It was literally a waste of two hours of my life. I, could have, I would have rather sat and watched paint dry than watch this movie. I'm not lying. It was, it was horrendous. It was horrible. You know what? No one likes a bad ending. No one likes a bad ending. When you're reading a good book, you don't want the book to like be, and they died. How many of you read a book like that before? You're like, oh man, this is going to turn out so good, and they died. I, I don't want that. The end of a story. As you come to the end of the story here in 1 Samuel, it's a sad story. It's the end of Saul's story, and we're definitely reading something that I am, I am sure Saul 
would love to have rewritten the end of his story. Because what we read is definitely what not, not what Saul desired for his end to be. And, and the truth is this morning that there is coming a day when the end of your story will be written. There is coming a day when you will have one last chapter that's written and added to your life. One day, the book of your life, it will be closed and people will be able to look at your life and, and look back at your life and read it. And once that book is closed, there isn't a chance to go back. There's no do-overs. When it comes to life, it is only forward. There is no rewind button. There is no VHS rewind machine. How many of you remember those? You remember you had to put the little tape in or rewind? It was faster than the VCR. Put that in and push it down and it'll pop. You can't do that with life. You can't press pause. There's no reset button. I'm losing on the first level. Reset. Can't do that. You can't ask for a do-over. No, the fact of the matter is this, that in life, they say what will be will be. Well, in life, what is is what is. What happened is what's happened. Well, Saul's chapter has been written. The end of the story has come. We read the end of Saul's story, and as we read it this morning, I want us to notice a few thoughts as to why we're reading the end of his story this way. First of all, I want us to see today that we're reading this because Saul ignored God's plan. Don't miss it this morning. Saul, he ignored God's plan for his life. Did you know that as we read the end of Saul's story, we have to know that this ending, it was not what God had planned for Saul. God's plan was not that Saul's end would come uh, where he is away, away from God. God's plan was not that Saul's end would come when he has turned his back against God. God's plan was not that Saul's life would conclude with him as an enemy of David. That's not God's plan for Saul. God's plan was not that Saul would end his own life. Can I tell you that that's never God's plan for anyone's life? His plan was not for Saul to have a story, his story end like this. No, God, he had bigger plans for Saul. God had a purpose for Saul. But Saul, he ignored that purpose. He ignored that plan. Well, what were the plans of God for Saul's life? I'm glad you asked. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9, this is when Saul would be chosen to be king years, decades before what we read in 1 Samuel 31. And notice what is written from the Lord to Samuel before Samuel chooses Saul. This is literally, right? In, we, we read in black and white the words of God to Samuel about his plans for Saul's life. Notice what God said. It says, Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hands, hand of the Philistines. For I, God, have looked upon my people because their cry has come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, 
the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. This is God speaking to Samuel back when, again, Saul was about to be chosen to be king. And notice what the Lord's telling Samuel his plan was for Saul. Hey, my plan is for Saul to be a captain over my people. Number one, God's plan for Saul was that Saul would lead God's people, that he would lead them, lead them closer to God, lead them away from the enemy. There's so much encapsulated in this phrase, be a captain over my people. That's plan one. The second part of God's plan for Saul's life, I want you to see it, it's still on the screen, is that God was gonna use Saul to save God's people out of the hand of who? The Philistines. Hey, my plan, Samuel, listen, my plan is to use Saul to be a great leader. I'm going to use him to lead my people, not only to lead them, but to deliver them out of the hand of the Philistines. My people have cried unto me, and I am going to, listen, that, this is God's plan. I want to use Saul to, uh, to uh, eliminate the Philistines and deliver my people out of their hand. God's plan was to work in and through, through the life of Saul to literally change the lives of God's people. His plan was to use Saul to draw a nation back to God. His plan was to uh, empower Saul to lead God's people in such a way that they had not been led in years. And his plan was to use Saul to uh, set up the people of God for victory and for blessing. His plan was to use Saul or to help Saul experience life, uh, a life of joy and a life of peace and a life of blessing. God's plan was to strengthen Saul to help Israel overcome the enemy. Oh yes, God's plan, I think we could really say, was bigger than what, Saul, than what Saul's story reads. God's plan was bigger than Saul committing suicide on the battlefield. His plan was bigger than the very people that he was supposed to lead and deliver from the Philistines. God's plan was bigger than them falling to the Philistines. But at the end of Saul's story, we read that Saul failed. Why? Because Saul, he chose his own pride over God's plan. Saul chose to, be, uh, to live by personal fear rather than a, a, a pointed and directed faith. Saul's M.O. was to flee in fear. You know that? 1 Samuel 14, against the Philistines, Jonathan led the fight. 1 Samuel 17, against the, Phil against the Philistines, David led the fight. That was never God's plan. When it came to the big times of Saul's life, you know what Saul did? Saul ran in fear instead of standing with faith in his God. Saul chose to be driven by his own agenda rather than the Lord's spirit. That was Saul's life. Encapsulated in one spirit, or excuse me, in one sentence, I believe is this. That Saul chose to be driven by his own agenda, his own plan, instead of following the spirit of God. He chose pettiness over purpose. 
God had given him the purpose of going against the Philistines, leading and guiding and serving God and saving God's people. But Saul, you know what he did? He spent most of his days pursuing David, something that God had not intended. Saul chose to depart from his own purpose. He chose, he chose to desert God's plan. That's an easy trap to fall into. The trap of being driven by our own desires rather than God's plan for our life. And the truth is that it, we are sure, we are sure to have an ending like Saul if we pursue our own plans as well. Oh, you may not, you may not die by suicide at, at war because you're at war with the Philistines. But I guarantee you the end of your story will not read like God has intended it to. You say, well, pastor, how do I know what God's plan is for my life? I'm really glad you're asking me these questions today. How did you know? I think there's a few things that are clear in, his word, in, in the word of God about God's purpose for us. Number one, I want you to know God's purpose for you is that you would trust him as savior. His purpose is that you would know that your sins are forgiven and that Jesus Christ is in your life. His plan is that you would know that heaven is real and hell is real and you were not intended to go and spend eternity in hell. No, you were, God created you to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ and to know for sure that you're going to heaven. Number one, God's purpose for you is that you would know Jesus is in your life. Well, God's purpose for us, his plan for us doesn't stop there. God's plan for us is that we would bring him glory, that we would live for him, that our days would point to him, that people would look at our life and be able to know that we belong to him. Number three, our purpose is to know him, to grow in that personal walk and relationship with him. Number four, it's to help others know him. Number five, it's to grow to be more like Jesus, to uh, draw close to him and develop and cultivate God's character in our life. And number six, to serve him by serving others. I go through those quickly, but just to say God's word is very clear about what his plan and his purpose is in our life. But sometimes and all too often, we, we deviate from his plan, don't we? All too often, we lose focus on his purposes for us through the day, and we focus on us. We focus on our success and what we have and what we can get and how to build a name for ourselves, and we, uh, we, we become driven by pride, and we become easily persuaded away from the plans that God has for us. And, and all, all too easily, like Saul, we can be led by fear and doubt and pride and jealousy and, and led by those uh, sinful emotions that just draw us away from the Lord. And what I want to say about it this morning is that if you want the end of your story to read the way that God intended, then you and I, we have to choose every day to walk with purpose. Don't ignore God's plan as you're in your life. Don't ignore his direction. Don't ignore your relationship with God. Why? Saul ended up away from the Lord. Don't miss it today. He ended up away from God, far away from God. And that's a place that none of us ever want to end up. That's where his life ended. He died away from God. He died. Now, now, did he still belong to God? Yeah, he was still one of God's people. Do I believe that Saul's in heaven? I personally do think he is. Why? Because he did have faith in God at one point. 
And that's what the Bible teaches, that if you put faith in God, that you'll never lose that. But can I tell you what a sad story to be in, to go to heaven for eternity and realize I wasted my life. I missed God's plan. I missed his purpose. That's where Saul is. He ignored God's plan. Notice also with me today that the end of Saul's story, we read that Saul failed God's people. He failed God's people. Here we are at the end of his life. He's injured on the battlefield. And so what does he do? He calls for the armor bearer. Catch this and don't miss it. He calls for the armor bearer to kill him with his own sword. That's interesting. Why is that interesting? Because it's interesting that Saul, he would end up dying by his own sword. The sword that he had swore he was going to pierce through David. The sword that God had actually given him to drive away the Philistines. And that's a good thought this morning. We don't have time to really develop it. But let me just tell you that that's what vengeance and bitterness do in your life. What you think will affect others in turn actually causes you to become worse. Saul wanted to use that sword to get it at David. And that sword was going to be it. And he was bitter and jealous and wanted to have vengeance And in the end, that sword ended up killing him. That's what bitterness does in our own lives. We become bitter, and it's like that old thing that that uh, you're drinking poison, hoping it affects the person you're bitter at. That's where Saul was. Well, the armor bearer wouldn't kill Saul, and so Saul fell upon his own sword, committed suicide. His armor bearer then committed suicide. And Saul's sons, they died in war that day, and his men, they're all gone. Notice with me what the people did. Notice what happens when their leader's gone. Verse 7 of 1 Samuel 31. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley and they that were on the other side of Jordan saw that the men of Israel, the fighting men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, look what the people did. They forsook the cities and fled. And the Philistines came and dwelt in them. Now, at face value, we might read that and think, oh, well, that's not a big deal. They were retreating. No, these were their cities. These were the, this was the very land that God had given to his people as an inheritance that Saul was supposed to help God's people defend. And what are they doing? They're fleeing. They're running, they're running scared. They're running in fear. They are not uh, uh, triumphing in victory. No, now they're cowering in fear. And God's plan for Saul was for him to lead the people of God and destroy the enemies of the people of God. God's plan for Saul was to uh, be an example to the people and bring them to peace with God and triumph over their enemies. But at the end of Saul's life, we read that the people flee the very land God brought them to. The people are running in fear from the very thing that Saul was supposed to dispel the Philistines. They fail to stand in victory. They fail to see their enemies fall before them. They miss out on the plan God had for them. They go their separate ways. They run from the enemy that God wanted Saul to kill. The very thing that God had planned for Saul to defeat is the very thing that the people of God end up running from. And here's the truth I want us to see with this thought this morning, that we never live a life on a desert island. 
Life is not lived on a personal island. What do you mean by that, pastor? Your decisions don't just affect you. Your decisions don't just affect your life. When you ignore God's plan in your life, it has a domino effect on the lives of people around you. And we live our lives with people. And the truth is today that we live our lives and we influence the lives of people around us. And here's the thought that in the New Testament, God desires that you would live in personal victory and that people around you would see your personal victory and it would encourage them to experience personal victory in their life. But listen, here's what happens in our life. We get caught up in our pride and we get caught up in our our arrogance and we get caught up in our own agenda. We get caught up in what we want. And so you know what takes place is then there's that trickle down effect of uh, I, I ruined God's plan for my life and it affects my family. It affects my children. It affects my spouse. It affects my parents. It affects my grandparents, my grandchildren. It affects my coworkers and my friends. Why does it affect them? Because your life has influence. Well, pastor, you no, 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 no. Your life has influence. And there's a certain sphere of influence that God has given you and that God has given me. And how you steward your choices affects how you influence the lives of others. And Saul, at the end of his life, you know what he did? He failed God's people. He failed the very people that he was supposed to influence for God. They are now fleeing from the Philistines. Saul's life was a life that he was filled with himself. And the people around him, they deserved better than that. Because of his pride and his self-will and his uh, 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 self-preservation mode. Because of that, Saul suffered. His kids suffered. His extended family suffered. His men suffered and his nation suffered. Think about it. Jonathan. Jonathan deserved better than this. This is Jonathan. I mean, you think about Jonathan was somebody, one man said it this way, Jonathan is someone whom you really can't say something negative about. You look at the life of Jonathan. What, is a, what an amazing character. Troy and I were talking about Jonathan a couple of weeks ago. What a, what a phenomenal character in the word of God. Man, someone who by faith just stood up and said, I will follow God no matter who's around me. And his own dad tried to kill him because he stood up for God. This is someone who was the up-and-coming king, and yet he took off his princely robe and his ring and his sword and said, David, I recognize you as king. I give up my place. I give up my kingship so that you can have my inheritance. And what a great picture Jonathan is of God, of Jesus Christ. Listen, Jonathan deserved better. Abinadab deserved better. Melchizedek deserved better. Saul's 3,000 men who sacrificed their family time and who sacrificed their farms and who sacrificed their service, they deserved better. God's people who Saul was called to lead and God had set him up in a position of leadership and said, listen, I will give you the spirit. I will give you the words. I will empower you, Saul. Just follow me. And the people that he was called to lead, they deserved better. Can I tell you that your influence matters and sometimes your family and those who you influence, they deserve better. They deserve, for, they deserve to have a dad that says, I want God first. 
They deserve to have a mama who says, you know what? I'll live for God. Listen, your coworkers, they deserve to have a coworker. You say, well, no, they don't. You don't know the coworkers I work with. They still deserve it. Why? Because heaven and hell is real. And your influence matters. And people are watching you. And your life and your decisions, they do not just affect you. And I wonder today, the, the, I wonder what are your, when your story ends, when your story ends, what are people going to say about the influence of your life and theirs? I said it a number of weeks ago in a different message, but I can't tell you how many funeral services I've done over the years and emotions range from one end of the spectrum to the other. But I can tell you one common thing. Usually the end of someone's life is summed up in one sentence. Isn't that crazy? The end of one life summed up in one sentence. Uncle Bob sure was a mean old cat, but he had his nice days. That's how someone's gonna sum it up. Boy, mom, she was, whew, you did not wanna tick mom off when you were younger. Man, she had a temper. She'd fly off. Oh, I tell you what, man. Boy, dad, he, uh, you know, dad taught me to pray. Well, I'm so thankful for my sister. Why? Oh, my sister, that one, she, uh, you know what she did? She showed me what it was to be a good mom. My cousin, you know, you get what I'm, get what I'm saying? One sentence. One sentence, people describe how you influence their life. I hope it's not, they were, they were a Christian. Never would have known that. Your life, your decisions, it doesn't just influence you. And how sad it is that many people end up, we end up hurting the very people that God had intended for us to help. May we make a decision this morning that we will follow God's plan, have a godly influence on the people that God has placed around us. What do I see today? I see that Saul ignored the plan of God in his life. He failed the purpose, failed the people of God whom God had placed in his life for him to influence. Notice thirdly and probably saddest of all, Saul not only ignored God's plan and failed God's people, but Saul destroyed God's name. Oh, don't miss it today. He destroyed God's name, ruined it. Notice with me, 1 Samuel chapter 31, verse 8 through 10. Let's continue the story. Saul and his men, they're dead. Saul and his sons are dead. The people have fled. Now the Philistines come to the, the uh, battleground. Notice what takes place. And it came to pass on the morrow when the Philistines came to, <coughs> excuse me, to strip the slain that they found Saul and his three sons fallen to, in Mount Gilboa. So what did they do? They cut off his head and they stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their idols and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. <clears throat> Here's what we're reading this morning. Saul and his sons, they die in battle. Saul by suicide, his sons at the hand of, Philist of the Philistines, they all die, and as the Philistines come through uh, the casualties of war, they find the bodies of Saul and his sons. They then proceed to cut off not only Saul's head, but all three heads. 
or four, excuse me. Well, three. Yeah, three heads. They cut off their heads and they, they then proceed to take the heads. And this is what the word of God's teaching in this. They send them throughout the land of the Philistines. Take this from town to town, from temple to temple, and post it. Put the head in there and let people know that our gods are stronger than their God. And then they took their bodies and they fastened them to the town of Beth Shan. We've been to Beth Shan there in the northern region of Israel. And what an amazing town it is. This Beth Shan that you're looking at is actually what's left from of Israel. But if you were to look at this, you would see in the background, you see kind of a, a mountain there. That would be the old Beth Shan. That city up there is where you would find uh, Saul's, you, where Saul's body and Jonathan's body and their bodies would have been nailed to the walls of the city. These very walls right here, when they were taller, would have held the bodies of Saul and Jonathan, Abinadab, and uh, Melchishua. I think that's how you say it. Did you know that that wasn't God's plan for them? Why were their bodies hanging there? What was that, what was that supposed to be with their bodies hanging uh, in Beth Shan and their uh, heads being delivered from temple to temple to temple? Here's what the Philistines were saying. Our gods, small g, our gods are greater than your Jehovah God. Look at the victory that we have over your God. We have taken down this mighty Saul. Our gods are greater than him. And what a, what a shame for Saul to have his head cut off just like Goliath of the Philistines. And what a disgrace to have his armor stripped off, that armor that he put so much confidence in. Here, David, use my armor. Here, David, you need my armor. This armor that he had his faith in was the very armor that was used to destroy the God's name whom he should have had faith in. Look where his faith and armor got him. Now he's here, headless, and his disgraced corpse is on display in Beth Shan for everyone to see his defeat. What did Saul do? He caused the enemies of God to declare triumph over God. Saul not only ruined his testimony and the testimony of his family and the testimony of his nation, but most of all and saddest of all, he destroyed the name and the testimony of God. Here you have this leader, this leader of God, who ignored the plan of God. He died in a way that God had not intended. The enemies of God are now chasing him. And he desecrated the testimony of God. Can I say that in all of our lives, this is the saddest part of all, when followers of God, listen, when followers of God who have the spirit of God and know that God has a bigger purpose than life itself, it's so sad when we get full of ourselves, full of our pride. We chase our own dreams. We make it about us. What are we doing? We're ruining our testimony. We're ruining the testimony of those around us. We're influencing negatively those around us. But worst of all, we drag the name of Jehovah God in the mud. And Saul is here desecrating God's name. And this was not the way it was supposed to be. Saul blew it. Saul, God had more for you. 
And yet you took it upon yourself to live out your plans. And now the very God that you claim is the very God whose name that you have dishonored. Can I just say, believer, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, that your testimony and your story, it has weight to it. And even though you may never see those uh, who, have, who you have influence in, the fact of the matter is that your life, it either points people to God or dispels people away from God. And each and every day, listen, each and every day, people formulate an opinion about you. And as soon as people know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, your story, it automatically causes them to formulate an opinion of your God. I want to ask you this morning, is your life dragging the name of Jesus through the mud? Are people drawn to, or are people drawn to Christ because of you? You see, your story, it's going to end someday. And at the end of that story, is it going to be said, wow, they were a Christian? Or is it going to be said, I knew it all along? Man, there was always something different about them. I see this morning that Saul, he, his life ended. And he had dishonored the very name he was supposed to protect. But as we close out this morning, I want us to see at the very end of Saul's story, is what we're calling a glimpse of God's grace. There's just a glimpse of God's grace. I want you to see it with me. Look at verse number 11. It says, When the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead, when they had heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men of Jabesh-Gilead, what they do? They went all at night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh, and they burnt them there, and, and they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. What's going on here? Well, if we look at this, listen, at the end of Saul's story, he ruined it. He blew it. Saul, you don't deserve anything. But at the end of Saul's life, we find the men of Jabesh-Gilead honoring Saul as a king. We find them rescuing the body, and while they wouldn't normally burn the bodies of kings, this was done in preservation so that no one else could come in and dig up and continue to, uh, um, uh, to attack the, the dead corpse of someone. So in turn, what is Jabesh Gilead doing? They are traveling from their little town over the Jordan River up to Beth Shan near Mount Gilboa, and then they're traveling back with these corpses to give them a proper burial. They're honoring Saul. Well, why did they do that? Why, why did the men of Jabesh Gilead, don't, don't miss it this morning, why did, they, why did they honor him? Here's why. It's because Jabesh Gilead, it represents that one shining moment. The one shining moment in the beginning of Saul's reign when Saul was right with God and he was following God and he was humble with God. And if you'll remember the Ammonites, they came up against Jabesh Gilead and said, serve us now or, or we'll kill you. And Jabesh Gilead said, no, we, we don't want to die. Uh, we'll serve you. And they said, okay, you're going to serve us and we're going to pluck out your right eye as a testimony of how good our God is. And the men of Jabesh Gilead said, would you give us seven days to think about it? They said, sure, we'll give you seven days. Jabesh Gilead reached out to this brand new king. Really, he was a part-time king. 
He was still serving in his father's fields. And that's where they found him. Word came to Saul, hey, this is going on with Jabesh Gilead. And you know what Saul did? He ended up leading God's people to go up to Jabesh Gilead and defeat the Ammonites and save the people of Jabesh Gilead. Here we are decades later, and you know who comes to honor Saul? Those very men of Jabesh Gilead. Hey, we didn't forget. Hey, we didn't forget his moment. Hey, we didn't forget that time when Saul, as a part-time king, stood up, filled with the Spirit of God and without proper weaponry, fought for the people of God, Jabesh Gilead. They never forgot. They went, they rescued these headless bodies from off the wall because at one time, that man, he had walked with God. At one time, he had trusted in God. At one time, he wasn't eaten up with pettiness and pride and fear. No, at one time... Jabesh Gilead could look back at that one shining moment. You know what this is? This is a glimpse of God's grace. Because Saul didn't deserve it. But God was saying, hey, I'll honor, I'll honor the time you did serve me. While I see it's a glimpse of God's grace, I also see that it's a glimpse of what might have been. What might have been is Saul could have been honored by everyone. Saul could have been honored by a kingdom that wasn't running, but instead was standing in victory. Saul could have been looked to as one of the greatest leaders of Israel up to that point had he chosen to walk with God. Can I say this morning, I don't want to get to the end of my story and people look back and only think of one moment. Well, it is God's grace that Saul was honored at all, I can't help but think that God had so much more in store for this man, Saul. What a sad ending. What a sad story. But today I want to ask you a question. How do you want your story to end? Do you want people to look at your life and say, wow, what a disappointment. Why, are, why are, Man, they, they could have been so close to God. And yet their life ended so far away from him. I don't want people to look at my life and say, I wonder what could have been. I want people to look at my life and say, thank God for what was. You say, well, pastor, what do we do about it? Can I tell you this morning that if you're still breathing, some of you might want to check your neighbor, but if you're still breathing this morning, if there's still breath in your lungs, your story doesn't have to end like Saul. If, you're, if you still have the ability to go inhale and exhale, can I tell you that you can know that God is still working in your life. There is still time to write a better ending to your story. Your story doesn't have to end with you away from the Lord, ignoring his plan, failing the people that he has placed in your life to influence. Your life doesn't have to end with you dragging his name through the mud. You can choose today to say, God, I want your plan. God, I want to influence people toward you. God, I want to bring glory to your name. And I love how one man said it when he said this, you cannot change yesterday. All of us have choices we wish we could change. But well, we can't. You can't change yesterday, but you can make choices today to change your tomorrow. What's the number one choice I should make, Pastor? Number one, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it should be to choose Him. 
Put your faith in Jesus. Have a relationship because of Jesus. You, you can't have a relationship with God outside of Jesus Christ. Well, I go to church, doesn't get you to heaven. I'm a good person, doesn't get you forgiveness. You need Jesus. So number one, how do I make choices today that affect my tomorrow? If you haven't received Christ as your savior, receive him. Number two, if you do know Christ as your savior, don't pull a Saul. Don't let pride drive you. Don't let arrogance push you. Don't let fear, don't let fear cause you to miss out on God's plan in your life. No, choose God. I'm gonna walk with you, influence people for you, and glorify your name. Saul's story ended in such a sad way. Your story doesn't have to read similar. No, today, you can make the decision that this week, this week, this week, I'm rewriting a new story. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.